the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Rachel Bosch, we play A Rose by Any Other Name. And then we take this show to a truly dark place. That's not a figurative statement. I mean literally dark. But first, your host, Jared Correa. Give a man a legal toolkit podcast and he'll eat for a day. Teach him how to legal toolkit podcast and he'll eat forever. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I have no idea what ratcheting band clamps do. But let me tell you a story about this one time at band clamp. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Bob Gowen was unavailable, because no one remembers his short-term stint hosting the daytime version of Wheel of Fortune from 1989 to 1991. Yes, those were the days. Actually, that may make it more likely that he would be available, but now I'm overthinking things. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, an intake platform for law firms. Learn more and schedule a demo at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Rachel Bosch of The Fringe, not the TV show, let's talk about private parts. And no, not the Howard Stern movie. Now, I never watch television anymore. Well, I watch streaming services on a television, but that's not like old school TV. I guess what I should be saying is I never watch television channels like networks with commercials and all that shit. But that changed recently. Last month, I was out of town presenting on AI at a couple of different conferences. Shouts to Nifty Marketing and the Wyoming State Bar for having me out to Park City and Laramie, respectively. And that's Laramie, the city in Wyoming, not the cigarette brand from The Simpsons, in case you were wondering. And when I wasn't traumatizing Uber drivers with stories of my youthful indiscretions, I was sitting in some hotel rooms, catching up on emails and watching forensic files on TV. Like, real TV. A physical device with commercials. And let me tell you, commercials have gotten out of control. I saw a couple of commercials that just blew my mind. Seriously, if this shit was on TV in the 80s, either of my grandmothers would have covered my eyes, ushered me quickly into another room, and then would have begun a never-ending letter-writing campaign to the networks for airing such filth. I don't know if it's just that nobody watches TV anymore so they can get away with whatever the fuck they want, and no one cares, but some of these advertisements are just out of pocket. So, in case you didn't know, there's this deodorant company out there called Lumi, which is just, I guess, deodorant for everything but your armpits. And here I was thinking that's the only place that deodorant goes. And their goal is to apparently eliminate any natural scent that may emanate from the human body. These commercials are kind of funny, honestly, if you haven't seen them. And really, it's probably the second deodorant commercial that I've ever remembered, even 30 seconds later, after Hulk Hogan's right guard commercials from the early 90s. You remember those? A sublime palette of odoriferous emanation, as the Hulkster described it. Now, I'm not really a prude, so I want to break this down for you. Lumi is vagina and butt crack deodorant. Honestly, that's what it is. I didn't know there was a need for this. And all the ads I saw were geared toward women. But maybe you can use this deodorant on your peens and balls, too. I don't know. I'm probably not going to try. And on the commercial, they're basically like, hey, run this stick of deodorant up and down your ass crack. Look, that's a hard pass from me. 
And just to be clear, that's not a hard pass of a deodorant stick up and down the entirety of my ass crack either. Actually, I should say it's more like a lotion than a deodorant stick, but that's less funny. And uh, there's also some suggestion that the underboob might be an appropriate application point as well, but now I've already said too much. So, real question. Where do I store my crotch and butt crack deodorant when I'm done using it? It doesn't seem like there's a really good place in my back pocket. I don't know. That would seem to defeat the purpose. And I know that I just basically created my own unpaid advertisement for this product, so maybe I'm part of the problem. In any event, I guess you can all just toss salad with abandon now and nothing will smell. Have at it, people. But wait, I'm not done yet. No, not by a long shot. I haven't forgotten about the fellas. I also saw a commercial for an underwear company called Shinesty that sells underwear they boldly labeled ball hammocks, leaving little to the imagination. That's correct. They have a little pouch where your scrotum might be placed to reside. Technically... I should say that it's probably a balls hammock, not ball hammocks, which may connote a different hammock for each testicle. That's not what we're doing here. It's a single hammock for both. Just needed to make that clear. Now, they illustrate the purpose by dropping a couple eggs into the nutsack pouch as clearly an illustration was required. Okay, I get it now. But let me tell you, if your balls are the color and shape of eggs, you may have a medical condition. Maxim says... Your junk will look beastly in these. Okay. So it's not just about the utility and comfort of the ball hammock. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what it says about our culture that I watched crotch deodorant ball hammock underwear commercials back to back before midnight on a random Thursday. But I feel like we maybe have a little too much leisure time and a bit too much disposable income. When AI starts taking over all the jobs, I'd be interested to see what other sorts of specialty crotch gear become available. I'll be waiting with bated breath. I mean, back in the day, the raciest thing you could do with your underwear was to get tidy whities in different color. I mean, my dad was a goddamn fashion pioneer, apparently, with his red briefs that he used to sport around the house. Apparently only when my friends came over. Yeah, that's why I'm traumatized. As society crumbles, you just want to be sure that your taint smells refreshing. That's clearly the most important thing. Don't pay any attention to the mummified alien bodies the Mexican government is hiding. Just apply that butt crack deodorant so the aliens aren't offended by your musk when they probe you. Let's find out more about what our sponsors can do for your busy law practice. Before we talk about communicating effectively at work, there's no real way to segue from this. With Rachel Bosch. Then, stay tuned as we discuss deodorant a bit more in the Rump Roast with a new fresh scent. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, 
accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Okay, everybody, it's time. Let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat, goat. I discovered today online that you can buy a variety box of goat meat online for the low, low price of $50. Sounds sketchy. I think I'll stick to the cauliflower. Thanks. All right, that's enough of that, goat pucky. It's time to interview our guest. We have today, in her very first, and I don't know, maybe her last depending on how it goes, appearance on the Legal Toolkit. That's Rachel Bosch, who's the managing director and founder of the Fringe, colon, professional development. Rachel, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Well, I'm all right. I'm scared now that I'm going to get booted off this podcast for all of eternity, but I don't know. Maybe no, no I'm just saying that you may, you, you may not want to come back. We'd have you back. You're a lot of fun. Oh, never. <laughs> I want to talk first about butt crack deodorant, which is what my monologue was about today. I have strong feelings about it, as people just heard. Do you have any feelings on this? Yeah. I think if you don't have strong feelings about butt crack deodorant, (laughs) I really don't want to be your friend. Are you even alive? (laughs) Yeah. Are you living this life? Are you middle-aged? Come on. Like... I, I mean, I don't know if I'm pro or con, but I have strong feelings. Yes, I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some real shit. So you've got this company called The Fringe, yes. which sounds like a sci-fi show that would have been on the CW in like 1994. It legitimately was. So <laughs> first thing I want to know is like, I want to talk to you about what you do, but like, how'd you come up with the name? First of all, it's a, it's actually, a cool, memorable name. I like thanks, it. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it actually ties into the show, the TV show, which, to be fair, I do. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Do you have a fact check on here? Like, I don't know if it was on the CW, but there was a TV show I'm, called I'm Fringe. The, I'm the fact check and Fab. I did a terrible okay. job. So. <laughs> so there was a TV show called Fringe. Fringe is three different parts that all connect for us. So the first is when I decided I wanted to start this company, I knew there was going to be a neuroscience slant to it. My coaching background is is neuroscience-based coaching. The slang in neuroscience for your neurons is fringe. So that's one. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I have a theater background, and I kind of like to do things a little bit quirky, a little on the edges. I think that's why we like each other. (laughs) Yes. No, this is is all unsurprising. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the Fringe Festival as well like new works that are sort of avant-garde, a little bit more edgy, and then quite literally just the literal meaning of I was going out on the fringes, I wanted to be doing something different. And so all three of those came together. Also, a little pro tip for you marketing newbies out there, it sounds great in the sentence, let's hire Fringe for that. Oh yeah, I love that. All right, that's great. Wow, look at this. We're like two minutes in. And you're already hitting it hard. Okay, let uh, me. That's what I do. Okay, neuroscientist slash drama geek. Like I don't know. That seems like a strange combination to me. Is it? I don't know. Uh, okay, so first point of clarification: not a neuroscientist, but I can play okay. one on stage, so that's okay. great. Um, <laughs> Anytime you put neuro in front of a word, 
I'm immediately confused. So right, please is, educate me and the listeners. Yeah, I'm this is right why now. I wanted the neuroscience to work with lawyers, right? Uh, not that you're clueless about it, but like- I am. It's okay. You can say it. The primary thing that lawyers use to do their job is their brains. And like most of them don't have a clue as to how it works. So it's just kind of wild to me. Now, neuroscience and the theater piece, I don't know that it's that different when you apply the neuroscience to human behavior, right? Like theater is all just about portraying people, understanding their motivators, like unpacking why they're doing things. And that's what I spend most of my days doing. Like, why are the youth lawyers of today not responding to their emails? Or why are the baby boomer leaders insisting that everybody come back to the office, right? Like, why are we doing these things? And so the theater training really like helps you just unpack, like, why are these human beings doing these really weird things? And how do we make it make sense? Can we walk it back like one step? Neuroscience, what does that even mean? Like, what's ah. the, what is it? yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, either. so neuroscience. It's basically the science of studying the brain, how it works, how it makes decisions, and how it impacts our day-to-day life, right? Okay. The place where I, like my coaching training, is the Neural Leadership Institute. They take neuroscientists and they take organizational development experts, and they're like, okay, so how does this all apply to how we live in our work lives, right? The reality is, like, honestly, like, neuroscience is a pretty new field. We don't know what to do. I feel better now. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's brand new. It came out last week, like, actually. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> no. And honestly, like most of the research has been done like pretty recently, at least the deep research. We're talking okay. like post fMRI machines where they like actually like put you up into little nodes, show you pictures, watch how your brain's reacting. You're talking to me like I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, the advances in fMRI <laughs> technology have been astounding. Later. You don't even need to worry about that. Basically, <laughs> okay, it's like, good. it's give a, give a stimulus to a human being, watch how their brain reacts. Okay. But we, we know okay. nothing. The brain is the Wild West. Like, honestly, we don't know that much. But there are some foundational things that, like, anyone in a field where you use your brain to do your job, like, who could be helped by knowing a little bit more about it? Yeah. I like how you were like, youth lawyers are not responding to <laughs> their emails. I like that a lot. I might use that phraseology. All right. So here's the thing about that. I'm kind of like Gen X millennial, like right in the middle there. And um, I think it's amazing what these young lawyers doing. Like I think of it and I was like, when I was applying for legal jobs, I'd be like, please, sir, may I have another? Whatever I need to do to get set. <laughs> now people are like, fuck you. I'm not responding to your email. Yeah, I think it's great that they have the balls to do it. I love it. So like, that's really interesting to me. So let's let's go there for a second. Like, yeah. How do you bridge the gap between people who think like so differently about yeah. work and what it means? Well, I'll tell you what, you shouldn't start with Kevin McCarthy jokes because that did not land well. That did not land a couple okay. weeks ago. Right. right. Well, d- right. depends on the audience. I think it was too soon. It was too soon. And I some I places understand. it could land really well. Oh, and it has. Um, Ohio-based firm was not the place to pilot that joke. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, maybe but maybe one of, of the like, coasts. Yeah, there's a lot of like, can we understand each other? And that's where that came from, right? I was like, you know, yeah, none of you are Kevin McCarthy. You're not going to lose your job if you compromise a little bit, right? Oh, I like I, that's that's good. I think that's great. Now, good joke. Thanks. Yeah, uh, but you know, that's where it starts, right? Can you just try to understand where these other folks are coming from? Because going back to that human behavior thing, all of this is sparked by stuff that people have experienced, right? Like right. these older lawyers 
their whole freaking life was the firm being in the office, talking to people, being able to have like the power move, take you out to coffee or lunch or whatever. Like (laughs) their whole sense of self and validation came from that. And then you've got a bunch of, you know, I feel old, but like kids coming into the profession who've only seen institutions fail them, ruin literally the planet that we live on. Yeah, (laughs) it's been problematic. Yeah. And they're like, why should I give you any extra bit of me? Like, it's funny because for a long time we used to think of like, you know, the Don Draper scene where he's like, that's what the money's for. Oh, one of the best scenes in Mad Men. I love yeah. Mad Men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm glad really you good, that right? Up. Yes. Yeah. I'm here for you. So, like, we used to say that as sort of like a, oh, can you believe these firms? And they think, like, that's what the money's for. You got to give us your whole life. And now right. it's almost like Gen Z has turned that on its head. And they're like, no, literally, that's what the money's for. I will do exactly what is laid out in my job description. And after that, unless there's more money, screw off, kick rocks. I mean, I love it. <laughs> I, I like it too. I actually think it's great. Like, and I think if you, like, if you talk to people in private moments who mm-hmm. were like owners of these firms, they're probably like, man, I wish I did that back yeah. in the day. They totally Look, do. We all want the same shit, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure that most baby boomers wish they had more flexibility in their life, wish they could have been more honest about like, oh, I need to go to my kid's soccer game right now instead of being like, I have an appointment. I'm going to be out later. Like being all like weird about it. I think they wanted those things. It just wasn't accessible to them. And they also like didn't have a lot of the technology that we can use to like normalize and gain access to information now. So like, I think we all want the same things. It's just who has sort of the collateral to be out there asking for it, pushing for it. I think they'd be thrilled if they had this stuff, but then they don't. And so now you got to walk uphill in the snow three miles, just like I did. <laughs> right, right. There's a great taco commercial I saw the other day with the grandfather's talking to the kid. And he's like, I used to take my horse two miles in snow to school every day. And the kid's like, Grandpa, you're from East L.A. Anyway, <laughs> do you find that people are like willing to talk to each other? Yeah. Like, will people like meet in the middle? So I think that people in groups that are like them will go to the extreme. And when they get one-on-one with somebody who has a different opinion, they're willing to meet in the middle. And I think that that's the problem, right? It's like we silo ourselves into groups of like-minded people instead of pushing ourselves to actually engage and like talk to a new associate and be like, hey, what's going on with you? Or like, what's your experience with this? Why don't you want to come to the office? And the same also for the new associates, right? Like, Tell me why like being in the office has been so helpful for your long-term career development. You know, tell me about what you get out of this. You know, I think there's a, a two-way street there that we just need to sort of understand. Also, like, I don't know, man. It's like these like boomers and elder Gen Xers, like they don't have to come along, but they're going to be pushed out. Like you either yeah. come along or yeah. you're dropped off. So no, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. Like none of us envision ourselves a dinosaur right like we want to be the like we always i'm not a regular boss i'm a cool boss (laughs) you know like i get it in terms of like how this happens though like these people aren't going to come together on their own right so you need someone to facilitate that right whether it's somebody in the business or external to the business like you that's got to be the case right 
I think that it's very rare. And if it does happen, the onus has to be on the person who's more senior, right? Like that person has to be like, oh, I'm going to go have a listening circle with our new associates or with our third years or whatever it is. Like they have to start that conversation. The challenge for them and like, I feel for them in that moment, right? Like they are, this has come up twice this week and it's only Tuesday as we're recording this now, (laughs) but like they are what we call the hippo. You know about the hippo? Like the animal? No. Is this some kind of neuroscience shit? Because I don't know about that. This is just a, this is not, this is just some sort of like nerdy leadership thing. So it's a one P. Hypo? Okay. H-I-P-O. H-I-P-O. Highest paid opinion. Mm. Right? So the trick when you're the highest paid opinion in a room is that what happens when a hippo walks in a room? Everyone's like, hmm. Nobody's talking. Nobody wants to be like a hippo. I would would run in fear, but go on. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that's also the response. And sometimes we see that with summer associates, but (laughs) rarely. (laughs) But like, you're either like frozen, you're running out of the room, but nobody's like, "Um, hippo, that carrot that you're eating, that was actually mine. Could you please pass that back to me? Yeah. So it's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard to have an open dialogue when you have such a big differential in terms of power and influence, right? The person who's more junior isn't really going to share out as honestly. So I think the the instead of like thinking about it conversationally, and you can, you can conversationally get in. Like I just facilitated something for a firm where we were literally at their retreat with a partner and an associate in front of all their attorneys talking about like, how do we do this? How do we work together? But I also think there's a lot of mechanisms for firms to get this information in a way that doesn't put somebody on their heels, doesn't put the junior person in a position yeah. where they have to like expose themselves to retaliatory acts and doesn't also put the senior person in a position to be like a weirdo, like try to be cool. Yeah, because I feel like if you went up to like a senior attorney and you were like, hey, I want to have a listening session, that dude's probably going to be like, I made my own shoes as a child. <laughs> like, it's going to be an issue. These teeth are wooden. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm basically George Washington. I don't have time for listening sessions. I got to oh. do shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, let me, because you work with lawyers, you work with others. Like, are lawyers particularly bad at communicating? Okay. So everyone's bad at communicating. Yeah. I think the best way to sort of like, and the most like foundational, foundationally strong way to look at this is when we look at like emotional intelligence. And that's not communication as a whole, right? It's an aspect of emotional intelligence. But, you know, people will make a huge deal out of lawyers and emotional intelligence like, it's not good. I think that's the <laughs> that's the tagline. Lawyers and emotional intelligence. It's, it's not good. Not good. All right, that's worth the slogan. <laughs> but but people really do like overstate how bad it is. The fact is, like, most people are bad at communicating emotional intelligence, understanding how they're landing with other people. The challenge for lawyers is that where they fall even further beneath the general population is in interpersonal relationships. So that's the area where they're even worse (laughs) than everyone else. Right. And that's a challenge because like, I don't know if you noticed, but it's sort of a relationship industry. Yes, I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah. This is a bit of a a problem that we've got going on here. (laughs) Right. Also though, like, and it's just, you know, I was just at a law school yesterday talking to, you know, some of their folks and- Honestly, I think that we have to back up a little bit. Like most of this research just looks at practicing lawyers. It would be fascinating to me to look at people pre-law school because I think a lot of this oh, like 
is drilled into folks in law school. Look for the problem. Look at the uh, look at the future landmines. Look at where you're going to get in trouble. And then we get into a relationship, and I'm like, "How is Jared going to screw me over in this conversation?" <laughs> well, right. And like, I yes. I know it's going to be in the rump roast, but like, <laughs> it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be bad. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to go easy on you. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt no, that. No, no, I, I, seriously. I, <laughs> no, no ancient historical trivia. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really interesting because I think lawyers are issue spotters and yeah. they are people who are looking at like the worst case scenario at all times. So mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me at all that when they look at interpersonal relationships, they're like, one day this person's going to fuck me over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're, like, they're basically like Vito Corleone <laughs> trying to get referrals. But like, imagine if you took that approach like with your kids or your spouse, right? It's like, yeah, they're going to do something that's going to upset you someday. But if you're looking for it, like, I don't know, like, this is not a relationship podcast, but I would assume that like, if well, you kind of looking for isn't, problems, right? yeah. if you're looking for problems, you're going to find problems. And it also just makes it harder to do the things that we know build strong relationships, being vulnerable, sharing more about yourself, you know, like, actually opening up like these are things that build trust these create this foundation of trust where from then once you have trust in a relationship somebody can come to you and be like hey i don't think we should be doing this this way like let me lay it out for you right we aren't even having like and i think that when we reframe it that way for folks they see the business case in it it's like you're not even coming up with the best solutions for your clients because you can't have an open dialogue with your team yeah that's a great way to look at it yeah. All right. I want to move a little bit away from like the relationship trust building stuff. So like everybody's using Slack now. People <laughs> are still emailing. Okay. So that I was, I wanted to get your impressions on this. And I think, I think I may know where this is heading, but like, does this technology stuff help or hurt in terms of building out relationships at work? Where do you think we're going to go with since this? You, since it sounded like you're about to vomit, I'm going to say that you do not like this. But I could be wrong. Surprise you're me. Wrong. You oh. are wrong. Oh, I'm just, we're, I'm we're just zagging. No. <laughs> so, um, I just don't love Slack. Like, that's just my own personal oh, thing. Okay. Like, I'm just not a Slack person. Okay, I'm interested I, to know why. Why don't you like it? It's it's separate. I don't like a. I'm like, you, what was that? Uh, there was the cooking show. I'm getting the guy who used science actually a lot in his cooking show on the Food Network. Alton Brown. Alton Brown. Alton Brown. Yeah. Yes. All right. So what did he say? He hated a unitasker. Hated oh. a unitasker in the kitchen. I feel the same way about technology. Oh, that's I'm interesting. Like, I don't need 16 things each doing their own little segment of something. But I love technology to solve for organizational issues, challenges around communication. So like for our team, and honestly, I left law firms and I, once I got into like what the tech stack was that was available to me, I remember being pissed. I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? All of these tools that could have made my job easier have been available this whole time and y'all firewalled me out of them. Oh Lord, like, yeah. Screw off. Could do so, a whole other show on the misuse uh, of technology by law firms. But. Yeah. So we use a ton. I mean, we have sort of like a working rule of thumb on our team that email is for clients. So it just segments it. We put all of our communications into our project management software, which has almost its own built-in Slack. What do, what do you use, project. just out of curiosity? Monday.com. Big Monday. fan. 
good love good it product, good evangelist yep. yes yeah. i do know some lawyers who use monday actually yeah we know a couple of law firms where their business units use monday as well right so it's a fabulous tool we've been using it like since the og days um, <laughs> so monday's I a think, great tool though so so it's great. really it's not that you it's not that you dislike these communication platforms you no. prefer others to slack Okay. I prefer others to Slack. And so anytime you can like keep your conversation connected to your project, love that. We are big loomers. So Loom is a video messaging platform back and forth. We do a huge amount of that. I like yeah, Loom is great. That I've tried to convince lawyers also, because like we have this running theme with our lawyer friends. We're like, a red line is not feedback. Uh, it's just not. It's literally just a red line. It's just a red line. And people will be like, Rachel, I don't have time. I don't know why this is my angry lawyer voice. No, that sounds good. Go Keep it. going yeah. with it. Like, Rachel, you don't understand. I don't have time to walk somebody through my red line. And I'm like, if these firms just let people use tools like Loom, or even I think you can do this on Teams and stuff that they have. You I literally turn on you the self-record. Yeah. Yeah. And you're redlining and you're like, all right, Jared, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, make this a little bit more persuasive. I'm going to switch this and right. this because I think that should. You're literally teaching people without taking any extra time. And so I'm a huge fan of the technology tools. I think they're underutilized. They also help with asynchronous communication, which is like, we all do not have to be in another goddamn meeting. Right. We really don't. Right. You know, like send this meeting could a, have been a Monday message. Yeah, or send a five minute loom, which I will listen to on two times speed. <laughs> right. Right. And get right through in two and a half minutes. You know what I mean? So no, I think they're not using technology. I think it would be a huge way to connect with folks. And honestly, I think like that's also just the world that Gen Z is coming up in. Right. And so they right. expect it. It's it's expected. In the same way that we expect an Uber now instead of going to get a taxi. They expect ease of communication through technology. Rachel, this is really good. We had a lot of stuff. I got the angry lawyer voice. I'm stoked. <laughs> Will you stick around for the last segment? I'm pretty sure I have to. I yeah, think it was mandatory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about our sponsor companies and their latest service offerings. Then stay tuned. That's right. It's the rump roast, everybody. It's even more supple than the roast beasts. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found.
Welcome back, everybody. That's right. We're at the rear end, as it were, of the legal toolkit. It's the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Well, because I'm the host. Rachel, I have a confession to make about deodorant. I use women's deodorant. I don't know if uh, it's called Suave, and I use the powder version. Why do I use women's deodorant? You may be asking yourself. I actually well, was. Men's deodorant is too harsh, and I have really sensitive skin. This is a true story, which is that when I was six years old, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, I lost my first layer of skin and had to sleep in cream and saran wrap instead of going to kindergarten. This is a real story. I'm not making this up. So I have to have like really sensitive skin deodorant. Now, the, the good part of that is that I smell like a newborn baby's buttocks at all times. So the story has a happy ending. Oh, I'm glad. So anyway, um, I have this rump roast game that I've just developed. I'm going to call it a rose by any other name. And this is pretty simple. I'm going to give you a product and a tagline for deodorant. And you just have to tell me whether it's a real deodorant or something I made up and we can discuss. All right. I'm going to start real easy. Like I I think you'll be able to knock these first two out of the park. Slogan and company number one strong enough for a man made for a woman secret deodorant is that a real deodorant slogan that is a real deodorant slogan probably one of the most famous ones ever i I think so yeah that's right up there and that's like my that's like my deodorant thesis strong enough for a man made for a woman that's what i'm going for that's what you're that's yeah you want that all right one for one (laughs) okay number two strong enough for your mom Shank deodorant. Is that real or fake? <laughs> shank, shank, like a thing that you would like ha- have like, in jail to yeah, defend some, yourself. Something you would fashion and then stab someone with in a prison. Yes. Um, I'm gonna go fake. Yes, I made that <laughs> okay, one up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. It's a making... real niche market there. <laughs> it is prison deodorant. Although, although at the rate that we incarcerate people here in the United States, you could really do well. Right, you're gonna have to make a lot of those. All right. I got I got ones that I think are going to be a little bit harder. So here we go. Number right. three. You're two for two so far. Very impressive. We've only had two perfect scores in Rump Rose history, just so you know. I mean, don't set me up for failure. Come on. Okay, forget I said that. Outrageously effective whole body deodorant for pits, privates, and beyond. Lumi deodorant. Uh, that is real. Thank you very much. They target me on Instagram. No, on the do reg. they really? Oh, for do real? They? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm not going to ask yeah. you about your search history. <laughs> so I, I do have a question though. Like, yeah, it says pits, privates, and beyond. Like, what is beyond yeah. privates? Like colon deodorant? Like, what are we doing here? What's wrong? Know. What happened to society? No, no, no. Okay, so I don't know if this is what they mean it for, but like I'm gonna let you in on a little lady oh, secret here. Okay. Yes, yes, please okay. do. Please do. So sometimes ladies wear footwear that is uncomfortable, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Like all the footwear you, for the most part that women wear. It's yeah, well, not all, but well, yeah, not sneakers. Like yeah. Pre-pandemic workwear on your feet is not comfortable, right? Right, right. Deodorant is amazing for that. So you rub really? a little deodorant on the back of your heel. Those oh. like those high heels just slide right in. Oh, that's yeah, really keeps interesting. Them lubed up. Huh. It's great. Yeah. 
I might use I that. I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's no, what but I that's, think about. Like, yeah, we're a sneaker. I could even do that with sneakers. Oh, that's a great Also, if tip. we want to get real spicy, mm-hmm. yeah. some ladies use a little bit of, they could use a little under the boob area, oh, right? Under, uh, yeah, well, that's how the Lumi people market this stuff, under boob deodorant as well. There you go. It goes yeah. everywhere. It really does. Yeah. Pro tips, left and right. Yeah, I'm here for you. <laughs> Next time you're wearing a pair of four-inch pumps, you're going to get some of that Lumi. You'll deal. be my first call. <laughs> um, all right, you're three for three. I don't want to say any more. Okay. Don't say anything. <laughs> Slogan and product number four. Hooey, partner, ranger deodorant. Hooey, partner, ranger deodorant. Real or fake? Is that real or did I just make it up? So I feel like this is a trap. But I'm going to say it's fake. It is. It is. Yes. 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 Oh, man. All right. We're getting close. Okay. Here's another one. Stank-proof protection for the world's dankest underarms from Trebuchet Incorporated. So I just want to make sure I'm fully getting this. So it's stank, S-T-A, yes. for the world's dank, D-A-N-K. <laughs> yes. Dankest. I mean. Dankest. Stankest for the dankest. <laughs> I, I'm going to call that real. Oh, oh, it's fake. I made that up. It's should fake. I, should uh, I be in marketing? Am I like the next John might, Draper? Well, because I was, I was thinking to myself, how are you coming up with the trebuchet? Like, Yeah, I thought that, that was really good. Because you're that thinking like, oh, a trap. is this a French deodorant company? That's what I'm thinking. What, one more. Hey, four okay. or five is great. All right, I got one more. Sustainable natural deodorant that works from wild. That is real. That is real. That is real. Yeah, oh, but I feel like I feel like if if you're like, hey, we're a natural deodorant, but we work. What does that say about natural deodorants? Not very much. Well, I also, think. I will only speak to my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Another work. Yeah, I no, I don't think they do either. No, like, the naturals are really hard. My son is using natural deodorant, and I'm like, you still stink. Like, just yeah. go outside and rub a leaf under your eye. It'll be the same thing. Just grab some um, mint. Come on, man. Yes. yes. <laughs> Rachel, this has been one of my favorite episodes. Seriously. Great rump roast. Great interview. Thank you for coming on. Hope everybody learned something. Thanks for having me. If you want to find out more about Rachel Bosch and Fringe Professional Development, visit fringepd.com. That's fringepd.com, F-R-I-N-G-E-P-D, fringepd.com. Now, for those of you listening in Smell No Taste Liberia, we've got a new Spotify playlist just for you. It's songs about smells, because we talked a lot today, actually, about smells and how to clean and replace those rank smells for pleasant ones. Now, sadly, I've run out of time today to talk about Benoit Balls. Uh, you know what? Never mind. This is Jared Career reminding you that I'm not just some dumb hick, even though the guys from Spectrum said that to me at a dinner. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, 
to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.